today on Keep Classical Weird, Dr. Sophia Taggart is back to discuss the concept of operatic mad scenes. It's a storytelling device that's used more often than you might think. So between like 1780s or something through Strauss's Salome, I mean, there's so many mad scenes. It just goes in, it just goes insane. Wow. Uh, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, friends, to episode 25 of Keep Classical Weird. I am your host, Casey Bozell, and today we're discussing the concept of operatic mad scenes. This is actually a subject suggested by our beloved music historian, Dr. Taggart, and with good reason, they're fascinating. Arguably the most famous mad scene comes from Donizetti's opera Lucia di Lammermore, which we'll talk about later in the episode. That was actually the last in a line of several operas written by Donizetti, featuring a character that, for one reason or another, ended up going mad. Mad scenes. Yes. Mad scenes are a thing. Yes. In classical music. Yeah. Ooh. Why? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> I think there are many reasons why we are obsessed with madness. I think that, especially in opera, it provides a lot of drama. I think it's enticing for the composer, because who doesn't want to write music that is mad sounding, right? If you think back to, you know, the height of opera, even like theater that had music, we're talking 16th century, 17th century, 18th century and on, right? And... During that time period, there were a lot of people who were diagnosed as mad, you know, or crazy for various reasons. And it was this thing that was so outside of society that it seemed almost exotic to a certain extent. Mm. So you have people, you know, trying to be very proper and what have you. And then you have this aspect of society that is completely and utterly misunderstood. People don't know what caused madness at that point. We still, you know, might not really know, but madness was something that was a part of society, yet it was always sequestered, you know, and people didn't like to think about it. However, a lot of people were touched by it. I mean, there's always uh, some kind of hospital or, or asylum somewhere that people knew about. And you would say you would see people, you know, going crazy and 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 what have you in the streets or or people who were poor, who had like a breakdown or something. But to the rich elite who might not always be seeing the really bad side of it, it just seemed kind of romantic at times. All music has some tie to, to what is going on in society. I mean, on your on your podcast alone, we've talked about like a million things that are going on in the moment that affect what's being written musically. And this was one of those things. And and in the 19th century, there's a real uptick and interest in madness. Part of that is related to, you know, in Paris, there were um, there were these people that would go around with magnets and they used, it was this, this fad called magnetism. And it was, it was supposed to like, affect you a certain way and it was it was it was this really amazing trick it's kind of like 
you know, if you were to hire a magician to come to your home and do tricks, I mean, these magnetists would come to your house and, and there was like a tie to madness through that, like the unknown, the supernatural unknown. Magnetism shows up in opera earlier than madness. So if you think back to uh, Cozy Fantute, there's a scene where the two women have these guys come in and they're they're pretending to be uh, magnetists and they're doing this little trick on stage. And so that was like a big fad at that point. People were obsessed with magnets and 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 its connection to the supernatural and and just all these weird things. And that eventually led to a little bit more interested in the concept of madness. So composers at the end of the 18th century started putting madness in their in their scenes in opera and it just took off. Usually in like if you're looking at a program that's all the description that's in the program like and then and then they go mad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are a lot a lot of operas. The plot's going along and you you think it's going to just kind of end However, and then suddenly the woman goes mad at the end. That was a very popular device. Well, and I should say, out of all of the mad scenes in 19th century opera, my focus was always on the female mad scenes because those are the really good ones. They're the serious, dramatic ones. The The mad scenes often, if they were a male mad scene, were very comical. They were done in a comic way. And so... Oh. It, yeah, it's kind of fascinating that divide there. I was um, going to ask because the only mad scenes that came to mind for me were were with women. Yes. But there were mad yeah, scenes there, for men. It was just presented in a different light. Yes. And often it was like a, a bass vocal part, like a buffo bass part. And madness was just uh, handled very differently for the male mad scenes. So let's get into the good stuff. Donizetti's Lucia di Lammermoor. Now, if you're not familiar with the opera, it's not required viewing before you listen to our chat by any means. But I did link to a few YouTube recordings on our show page. You know, obviously it was premiered in Italy because it's by an Italian composer. and But he based the story on The Bride of Lammermoor by Sir Walter Scott. Okay. So I don't, I don't know how, how likely it is that a Scottish-English book was super popular in Italy. But Donizetti definitely found it and liked it. I should say that also kind of shows how madness was not just showing up in opera. It was in literature. It's been in literature since the Greeks. I mean, Hercules went mad. So Lucia di Lamorne. Okay. So Lucia is the Juliet character of this story. Okay. So she is the sister of this guy who's kind of the local Laird, because it takes place in Scotland. Their family is not on good terms with another family, which the Romeo character from that family is uh, named Edgardo. Okay. And Edgardo and Lucia fall in love. He ends up getting banished from the town. And so he takes off. And um, while he's away, her brother convinces her that they're doomed and that he has moved on without her. And so he actually sets Lucia up with another guy and pretty much convinces her and forces her to marry this other guy. So we get to the wedding. They're having the wedding and all of a sudden 
Edgardo bursts in. And it's during the signing, they're signing. They've already gotten married and, and he bursts in and he sees that they've, they're signing. And there's this amazing, amazing sextet. It's like one of the greatest pieces of music ever written. But that's not about madness, but I just had to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, there's this moment where Lucia's like, oh my God, what did I do? And Edgardo's like, what did you do? I loved you, you know? And so... Lucia and her new husband uh, retire to the bridal chamber to have their little relations and hang out. Meanwhile, there's a party downstairs because it's a wedding party. And then suddenly Lucia bursts out of the bridal chamber and she's covered in blood and she has a knife and she's crazy, disheveled hair, white gown with red blood everywhere. And she's holding this knife and the, and the crowd is like, what happened? Something bad happened. And then she comes down and it's clear she has killed her husband and she has broken with reality. And this is where the mad scene starts. And this mad scene is epic. It's like 20 minutes long. it was that long wow it's crazy long i keep saying all these awesome puns crazy it's so long good. <laughs> it's uh, so good no it's it's a very long mad scene it's probably one of the longest if if i really think about it and she goes through various stages of madness so she starts off and she's just kind of out of it she's she's not sure of her surroundings and that's when the flute solo comes in that all of these mad scenes have something you know that that really is drawn from for Lucia but one of the main things that is common throughout every single mad scene that I have researched is that they always use the flute as the tool of madness really like the flute is symbolizing the madness somehow yeah and, oh. and it's used in various ways it's it's often used as an introduction to the new the new mood or the the madness that's coming in um often it's used as like a, a ghostly voice from um out somewhere that you know the person on stage can hear the flute and is like what is that sound the flute comes in 
and it starts this really beautiful haunting melody and it's calling to Lucia and that's when like if if Lucia had any chance of not falling further into madness after breaking and totally killing her husband it was completely dissolved because the flute just like solidifies it right so the flute calls to her and then she's gone she's gone for the rest of her life which is about 20 minutes and so because <laughs> as all good man's mad scenes should end this way she just collapses dead at the end of it Yes. So Lucia goes through this whole like range of emotions. She hears this ghostly thing. She thinks it's Edgardo calling to her. And um, and then she starts imagining her wedding day and she's at the altar and Edgardo is there and she thinks, you know, oh my gosh, I'm getting married. And she's singing this and everyone still around her, the entire wedding party is standing there commenting they're like ooh girl is crazy what is going on meanwhile no one goes up to the room to check on the husband really i don't know yeah he just sits up there the whole time i don't think they send anyone to check on him are they just like well it's very clear what's happened yeah probably who wants to go nobody wants no nose goes Is that the that no nose go scene of Lucia yes. Lyrewart? It, it started. Okay. It started in Lucia. Yeah, okay, if you don't want to do something, they all put their their finger on their nose. <laughs> <laughs> Lucia loses her mind and then thinks she's getting married, and then there's the ghost again, and there's all this stuff, and then it ends. Well, it doesn't really end, but the big solo part of the mad scene ends with this huge flute and uh, voice cadenza. Once that's over, that's when everyone else kind of joins in and then they finish out the entire scene and then that's when Lucia collapses and and dies. But yeah, she's she she's just completely insane and 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 the whole time, I mean that entire mad scene, there's always this flute present and calling to her and then obviously with the cadenza, that was a big part of it as well.
that's that's what we see in Lucia. And and most people think of the Lucia mad scene, they always think of the the flute cadenza and the flute uh, part, but it was happening prior to that. Like all of even even a mad scene from 1789 had a flute solo started out. So it's mm. it's kind of a convention that people were using and and Donizetti because he wrote so many mad scenes, he really solidified it. Then we also see these the flute used in um all of the parodies of mad scenes that we see later on. Um Interesting. So yeah, we, Gilbert and Sullivan's Rudigore. This is <laughs> so amazing. There's this character in there who's named Meg and she goes crazy. I mean, well, she's crazy like the whole time, but she she has an aria in this um, operetta that is called Cheerily Carols the Lark. And it starts with a big flute cadenza and Meg is crazy standing in a cemetery, but she's playing the flute. scenes man they love the flute and they love they love just like going crazy and then just dying at the end yeah so what i remember (laughs) we've done this at the portland opera we did lucia and what i remember the most from that because you know we can only see from the pit orchestra we can only Mm -hmm. see a little bit on stage um, right. And I remember, first of all, a lot of rehearsal on that flute and, and voice cadenza because mm-hmm. it has to be so coordinated. I remember it not sounding um, like it was in a minor key. I remember it sounding pretty happy, which just added to the eeriness of it. Yes. Because as you said, she's in this white dress covered in red blood. Yeah. And uh, great. Yes. It creates such a stark visual. Yeah. And I remember there was there was one night. I might have been opening night. The curtain came down and our conductor was just wide eyed. He goes, did any of you see all that blood? Like they just (laughs) really poured it on. Like he was affected by the visual. He knew what was happening the whole time, but even he was like, Oh, Whoa. It's. And so to have that creepy, you know, just major happy sounding flute with the visual. Cause I, if you hear that cadenza without any context, yeah. Wouldn't necessarily think it was a mad scene. Agreed. Yeah, it just, it sounds peppy. <laughs> you know, it's like, look at what we can do. But I, I think that's the cool part about these these 19th century mad scenes is a lot of the times the composers really wanted to portray the scene that was going on maybe inside of the crazy person's head. You know, they're they're in an alternate reality. Um, they're hearing different things than the other people on stage, you know. And so it's interesting 
to see how differently they they looked at madness. And again, I think it it speaks to that kind of romantic concept of how they viewed madness. I also think that they really wanted to contrast like what, what you said, what we're seeing on stage, you know, and, and most, if, if a mad scene is done right, <laughs> it follows kind of what was set forth by Ophelia's mad scene, Shakespeare in, in Hamlet. Right. And so when she goes crazy, um, that was, you know, 16th century theater. She goes crazy. She's wearing the white dress. Her hair is disheveled, you know. And I think that in order to get a really good mad scene to work, you want you want the visual to be shocking and the music to be, you know, what what those people on stage are hearing in their heads. I mean, that's that's the only way to really connect to the audience because otherwise we're just, you know, we're just watching it. We're the audience. But right. if you, if you get the music and the stuff that, that the crazy person on stage is hearing, then it's, it draws that connection. And I think actually, if you think about it, um, because madness was so misunderstood and people didn't know what it was about, you know, having a connection through music on stage made it maybe a little bit easier to understand. Hmm. I'm convinced it was cathartic for Donizetti because, okay, so I went, I went to his hometown in Italy several years. It was, it was totally a nerd trip. I was like all for it. Um, and I went to his hometown and I got to go see where he grew up and see the house that he lived in. And no joke, right next door was this hospital that was called an asylum. So I'm wondering if he actually grew up and lived next door to an asylum when he was younger. Whoa. So yes. And Donizetti himself went a little crazy at the end because of syphilis. Chalk another composer up to syphilis, right? right? And, and, you know, a lot of composers were, were affected by syphilis and a lot of them went crazy. We even talked about Robert Schumann, you know, and so this concept of craziness is, is all around, especially the composer. So I think Donat said he was especially drawn to it because of his living situation. And, um, I'm very thankful for that. (laughs) 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 He wrote some amazing stuff. And that's our show for today. My deepest thanks to Dr. Sophia Tager. It is always a good time to talk to you. Our theme music is by Not Dead composer Thomas Barber. Check out more of his stuff at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. And feel free to tweet at me with the hashtag KeepClassicalWeird. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay weird.